Hello, Hypecast family. Um, welcome to the Hypecast. Today we get to chat to um, a really good friend of ours and someone I really look up to, Mia Orni. Um, Mia is the owner of Ethos Strength and Conditioning, um, a gym in Road, Sydney. Um, basically, it's a combat strength and conditioning gym that looks after some of the best athletes in the world, from Tyson Pedro to Janae Harding to a whole lot of really cool athletes. But um, Mia is a special person in the aspect of He's someone I really look up to for his leadership and always taking the front foot in everything that he does in life, whether it be looking after his athletes, looking after his family, looking after his friends. He's always the person that's at the forefront showing how it should be done. And we got we got really deep in this podcast just chatting about how he actually ended up the way he did, his ethos, mind the pun, on everything that he does. And yeah, I I actually feel like this is one of the best podcasts we've done. And I got so much out of it. And it was also awesome. We did it at um, UFC Melbourne the day before the fight. So everyone's on a bit of a buzz heading into that anyhow. So yeah, hope you guys really get a lot out of it. You can check out more of Mia's stuff um, at Ethos Performance. Um, if you're looking at him on Instagram and otherwise, you can also check him out on a lot of the stuff we do with Combat, which is the proud sponsor of this podcast, Minor Miles Brand, um, cmbt.com.au. And if you enter the Hypecast at checkout, you'll get a discount of 20%. So hope you guys enjoy. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. And yeah, chat soon. You Do not disturb. The best button made on an iPhone. One hour of do not disturb. One hour of my voice. That is, let me tell you, the most funnest part of usually it's a Wednesday morning where I get to press that button. It's like a rush. It's like, oof, no one can contact me. For an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. So let's just, let's set the scene. So it's UFC weekend. It is. The weigh-ins have just happened. We're now sitting here doing a podcast. Mia, you can finally sort of relax. Can you yes. or not? Yeah, with you guys, I always can. Oh, man. <laughs> being, being very smooth as usual. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll give you a small intro, but you can, you can finish off the intro. You are the official go-to man of strength and conditioning for mixed martial artists, I believe, in Australia. Um, hence being here for UFC week. So you're here with Ty, Bear Bam, and obviously... Look after a heap of fighters. Tell us a bit about yourself, what goes into the preparation and how um, Ethos, which is your company and brand, has formed into this juggernaut for mixed martial artists. Okay. That was a lot of questions in what was, what was supposed to be. <laughs> just pretty much just talk about <laughs> Sorry, yourself. Bro. Just, you, just you, tell you me just a bit roll. about your life in 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah, you, you <laughs> okay. just roll. Um, a bit about myself. Well, let's start with Ethos. Um, it started as a, as a vision that I wanted to have a place that was built for the combat athlete, um, which was inspired out of the fact that while I was a combat athlete, there was no place to give me direction in the way that I wanted direction at the time, or at least in the way that I feel like I can help a combat athlete in terms of giving them direction now. Um, A place that could cater to 
not just their needs in terms of performance, and by performance I mean the physical qualities required for a combat athlete, but also to give them direction with nutrition and um, putting them in touch with people that can help them get to where they want to get to. Um, that that realization made me travel internationally to pursue education and mentors that were kind of doing what I wanted to do, um, and I bought that knowledge along with my own experiences back to Sydney um, and in a nutshell ethos is still in more or less the baby stages and I have some big dreams and visions about what I want to do to help the the combat sports industry. It's so cool to hear how humble you are. That's obviously why we all get along but you hear you're looking after some of the biggest athletes on the planet right now and you're still talking about being in baby stages. I can't even imagine what you want ethos to be what do you want ethos to be? Uh, I think it's always gonna it's it's gonna be a continual progression of ideas and, and dreams. I think that's the cool thing about um, you know even guys like yourselves that you achieve something and there's always more that you want to give back. Mm-hmm. And I think so long as it comes from that internal space of wanting to help, then you're never really gonna want to stop helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see I, I see kind of like an institute, so to say, um, for athletes, but not just the guys at the top levels. Um, obviously, you need the facilities and the resources and the people around you to get to that top level. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of people that get filtered out before they even have the opportunity to show their potential. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to provide a place where you can, you can uh, I guess, cultivate that potential and possibly have more people at the top levels. What, what I love about this is um, we met, Mia, just to give a bit of context via Selamine nutrition brand called Combat. And we basically just linked up because we were basically had the same vision for our businesses, but we obviously provide different services. As Mia just explained before, he wanted to create a facility where he could give everything to the combat athlete that they needed in preparation to be the best in their performance and nutrition. And we wanted to provide the best nutrition for combat athletes. So it was just natural that we linked up as any world. It's all a small world, whatever market or industry you're in. And so that's how we've kind of linked up. And ever since we've met you, we've um, realized and seen how much of an action man you are, how passionate you are about this. Tell us a little bit about your studies, your background, um, and sort of what sort of service you providing to these combat athletes i'll start with background um and then go from there so my personal background in sports i guess was started as started playing soccer did that up until i was 14 um i transitioned out of soccer into uh started with muay thai then went into boxing um around 15 i have competitive history in boxing kickboxing um and jiu-jitsu there came a point where i think naturally you realize that you have strengths elsewhere and i had a bigger passion towards wanting to help the fighter because I realized that I didn't have the I guess the resources and the the sprinkles of luck required along the way to be where you need to be as an athlete and so I saw more value as being a leader and a coach Um, that then led into me I mean at the same time I was studying sports science at um, at Sydney Uni after that I spent some time overseas came back worked in the commercial setting for a while uh, and then realized that I didn't want to work with the body of athletes that I was volunteering with at the time Um, at the Institute of Sport and other places when I realized there wasn't a place in Sydney for me to do volunteer work situated around combat athletes specifically I went overseas to to entertain the idea of getting that education elsewhere and that again in a nutshell is the last three years what I've been working on 
And what was your other question, Lars? Let's just keep yeah. rolling on. One thing that um, I know Sel's probably going to start alluding to, and I keep jumping in because I'm just seeing all these questions come to mind, but you started talking about volunteering. And one thing that's really big is that S&C is just such a competitive market. And Definitely. you talked about volunteering and all these things. There's so many people that want to be an S&C coach and have a top role in a facility or have their own facility or be a coach for a football team, for example, or top athletes like you're doing right now. What did you do that sort of like put you in this position and allowed you to step ahead of other people that wanted the same thing? I think the yesterday at the, at the media day, I met an intern who was um, interning for one of the mutual managers that we all know. And he's an 18-year-old kid. I feel like I can call him a kid. Uh, and he told me he was three months into his internship. I gave him the advice that I look back and I feel like these are the things I did well as an intern is that I showed up, I cared, and I didn't have any sense of entitlement and I still don't have any sense of entitlement. Because like you said, it's a very, uh, it's a very competitive industry. You finish, you, know, you finish any degree and a lot of people assume that that puts them in a position to have employment, but it's never the case. So when I was overseas, I, just, I showed up with an attitude of, I don't know anything, even though I feel like I might be able to help, but I'm here to learn and I'm grateful. I think that's one of the biggest things that I did well looking back at my experiences. Um, so yeah, the example of the kid yesterday, I told him, show up, ask questions. Uh, you know, those are the things that separate you in terms of making impressions. Yeah. Uh, one of the mentors I have, he has a nice quote where he says, uh, you can educate people on the science of everything, but you can't educate someone how to be a good person. And I think that's what I, in terms of objectively looking at my own experiences, did well. I just showed up and I worked my ass off and I still do. Yeah, man. Two things that um, made me really gravitate towards you. And um, I met you just briefly before Miles did, but then I said to Miles, man, I think we need to do some work with this guy was the first came from about the fact that I found out straight away that you were always seeking more, like seeking more education, seeking better resources, seeking better tools to help your athletes which was massive for me because to give a bit of background um i met jordan the fight dietitian who you and him are really good mates and jordan said to me man you guys should do work with me he's a guy for snc and i was like cool um how do we do that he said well i'll link you guys up you reach out then you reached out and were basically asking questions about our products which completely makes sense because you wanted to give your athletes the very best that you possibly could in in the way of sports nutrition. Um, you had already done, obviously, all your research even before we had discussed, so much so that I was like, you know some of this stuff better than I do because you had gone out of your way to find out all the important information so you could give deliver that back to your athletes. And you had obviously done that with Jordan as well in the dietitian space. You had done that for yourself with SNC and going overseas. So you basically spent a lot of your time going around fighting the very best and bringing it back to your community, which is admirable because a lot of people go out find the best and try to keep it for themselves yeah. and create this little bubble of whatever they're trying to trying to create. So I knew that was obviously big in terms of what you were doing, which was one thing, but then the biggest thing I saw was how you would lead by example. So rather than just saying, this is what you do, I would go and see you at your gym on the phone you would deliver programs and see that you were going above and beyond even those of your athletes saying 
not only is this how you do it, I'll show you how you do it, which to me is the true definition of a leader because if you're going to say it, you also need to practice it. So have you always done that or was that something that you built into your pro or into yourself after a while seeing that that actually has more effect and influence over your peers and athletes and everything like that? I think having a background as a combat athlete myself, I know the the demographic and how hard it is to mold yourself into the team of a combat athlete. Um, I'm sure I can say that about any other athlete, but I can speak about the, 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 the niche population that I know so well. Um, I think the best way to do that is to A, show that you care, and then B, just do it yourself. Um, so most recently, my example that I gave was I did a weight cut with Geordie. And that was just like a like a trial experiment that we did together. I'm like, let's see if I can cut 10 kilos in six weeks. Um, and that was purely so if, when a combat athlete of mine is cutting weight and he's at the gym and he's water loading 10 liters, I can tell him when he's complaining to stop being a sook. Yeah. And if he or she turns around and says, well, when's the last time you did it? I can say, well, yeah, let me tell you. Do you also feel like it's a respect thing? Because Definitely. in combat sports, it's all about respect. And do you feel like you are leading by example to show these guys that you're the guy and to trust you? Do it for the team. 100%. Front line, um, the captain leads in front. One thing that we were talking about at dinner the other night was also how far you actually go in terms of you would ring an athlete and you'd say, how's your preparation going? And they'd be sitting in the sauna and you'd say, where's your coaches? And they'd be like, no, it's just me. And you're like, fuck it, I'll be there. Definitely. And you go and go above and beyond to help these people. One of the highest, one of the high level guys that I work with, I won't say his name. Um, when we reflected on why he stayed on board and wanted to work with me, one of the biggest things he liked, which was nice for me to hear, was he said, I like the fact that you didn't treat me differently to anyone else and that everyone got the same level of attention. And I don't do that out of um, you know, me being obsequious and trying to suck up to people. It's just purely because I care about everyone because um, I'm invested in them as people first and then athletes second because I want to see them do the best. I said this to an intern of mine. The reality of coaching is that you, out of the 100 athletes I deal with, maybe one of them will go on to becoming a UFC fighter, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, maybe one of them will go on to becoming an Olympian or an amateur you know, Olympian. The other 99 people used to have a huge ability to impact that person mm-hmm. um, outside of the sporting field. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the beauty of coaching is. So I take that seriously. For sure, man. One thing you mentioned before that resonated with me because I could relate to that very quickly was when you said you were a combat athlete. Um, but at some point you realize the stars or whatever it is weren't 100% aligned that it's not uh, you realize your resources and your ability could help others where I kind of had that sense of feeling when I was playing footy where it was great I got to the top but at the same time there's also and and you made it like as in you were at the top levels so it was it probably was even harder for you to step back and go I can give more elsewhere I actually didn't find it that hard is what people think mainly because I didn't hold it as like my identity of like I'm a football player or something like that I just held it as this was a chapter I've done my best I can keep pushing down this path but at the same time I also know in the back of my head there's other things I can do that would probably help more people that would probably elevate myself more as well rather than trying to continue to do this and Sure, I could get a bit more out of this, but did you? Are you a person that knew early that you can like cut something? Just timing, like knowing 
I've had my run at this. Now I need to move on to do other things. Because a lot of people can often hold on to things for too long thinking. Trying. Yeah, trying and trying. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also a time where you have to be smart and say, look, this is what I've done now and I can move on to bigger and better in another space. One of the biggest things for me, um, a few things, just personal familiar issues at certain stages of my life made it hard for me to pursue certain things and have the resources financially and I guess emotionally, intellectually to pursue those things. So that was one thing and that affected the sprinkles of luck that I mentioned in terms of mm-hmm. you know people providing you with the means to go to training and go to camps overseas, etc., the second would have been, I found myself as I was studying, when I had spare time, I wasn't researching fighting techniques. I was researching um, you know, scientific literature on programming yeah. and training methods and anatomy. And that were, I guess, highlights for me that that's what I was really passionate towards. Mm-hmm. And so I just went with that and that directed me to for more sure, or less man. where I am now. I think this is where we can all relate in a in a very close way because I feel exactly the same. I've never felt like I've been obviously studying martial arts for ten years, and do, do you know what? I'll say this flat out. I honestly believe, with my mindset, that if I wanted to pursue a career in martial arts, I could take it all the way. Not because of any other reason, just because I know how my mind works. But I knew I didn't have that in me i didn't want that i am much more confident and i get way more fulfillment out of coaching others and i think that this falls into like this personality or characteristic sort of discussion about givers and takers and when i say takers that sounds negative but i'm not meaning it in a negative way but there are just people who are just born and get so much fulfillment out of giving to others whereas if you want to become a competitive mma fighter at the highest level, you have to be a little bit more selfish. Yeah, for sure. Fighters are notoriously selfish. Yeah. And if you're not that type of person, it becomes quite hard it's to... It's a selfish yeah. sport. Yeah. It really is. You ask most fighters and they'll tell you, like, that's why they appreciate their families and their partners yeah. and their support systems because you need a strong support system. Yeah. Um, especially, like, once they start going into, you know, quote-unquote camp, like, that's a selfish period yeah. of time for mm-hmm. the athlete. Um, so, it's funny what you said just then about... Uh, I'll get back to it. Just like my mindset. and Yeah, mindset. I'm, even now sometimes, I'm like, I'm, t- I'm 26. I could still give it a yeah. crack yeah. because I'm so confident that if you put your full energy and yeah. I- into something that it'll transmute it. It'll happen yeah. for you. Yeah. I think that's what happened to Sel. Yeah. He believed he could get there and he did. And he did. But he made it all the way, but he still believes that he yeah. wants to coach. I just, my, my main thing was like, I think people think that there's either... Like you go as an athlete, like there's this belief that you're either going to be an athlete or then once you finish being an athlete, you'll be a coach. And then there's like only two ways that you can go. But I realized very quickly, I was like, man, I'm not a good coach because I, um, when it's techni- techniques and stuff, I'm just like, I can't verbally explain as well as what you can or Miles because I've seen it. But one thing I know that I'm possibly quite good at is I can see things and go, we can build a space or we could build this product or we could build these things that will help Mm -hmm. multiple, multiple people. And I early on realized that my time is better spent building spaces with other people to create places where all these people 
that just are naturally some people some people just look at them and just go that person's just a natural born killer no matter you can't take that away from you look at them and just go i could do a billion more reps than them i can do all these different things i could have a stronger mindset i can do all these things but the way they move the way they act there's just something about them that you may never get to that and there's that's cool like i i found that out quickly from football that some people are just naturally just that one step better than you. No no issue with that. I'll always give my all. But then I thought if I can create more things where people can come to and get better at, well, then that's mm. that's just equally as good as trying to so go, go the, away. We're talking about that personal assessment yeah. and that's something that sounds like we've all done quite heavily is just yeah. understanding who we are and what our purpose is and, and what we need to do. Did you, have you done a lot of self-discovery? And Oh man, so yeah. much. And I still do. Yeah, right. I think you still have to because it changes as you change as a person, which is something that you want yeah. as, you, as you continue. Um, yeah, I reflect every day. I journal every day, trying to get to know myself more and what I want and what more I can give. But back to what you were saying, so the word you said was create and that just kind of resonates. Since yeah. I've met you and worked with you, I think that's one of the things that you do really well or one of the things you do best is you have a good way of connecting the right people at the yeah. right time yeah. and just bringing them together and making it work yeah. um, which is without a doubt like mm-hmm. it's just cool the way you can do that you know yeah. an idea pops up and you just make it happen and I think the idea comes up but you know exactly who to reach out to to, to make it become like to make it for I think I think we're all fortunate though that um, from a period of time recently there's been an aspect, not for everyone, but people are starting to realize it's a lot easier to work with the right people mm-hmm. to get more out of this world, this life, than trying to do slog it out yourself. I've tried to slog it out myself, like, trust me. Like, I, and all of us probably have at different points and going, fuck, you're grinding, you're grinding, you're grinding, and then you get to an end point and you're like, I worked so hard, I got something out of this. But then as soon as you get someone like you, Mill, Geordie, whoever it may be, and they just help. It's like a supercharger. Mm-hmm. It like just speeds up the process so much quicker and yep. faster. You just, often you think, why didn't I do this earlier? Like you often just look back and you just go, instead of trying to do this all myself, I could have just reached out to this person. They would have bolted onto what I'm doing or vice versa. I would have bolted onto what they're doing and we would have got further yep. a lot quicker where I think people that are doing that nowadays are going to really succeed a lot quicker. Um, I think the days of just thinking it's me versus them are very quickly fading. Um, And we've actually had a lot of experience with that recently this week that I honestly have good belief in the people that are working together, that are good people that are striving for the same stuff will always come out in front of that process. Mm -hmm. That that whole like me versus other people yeah. is something that I've moved away from completely. Yeah, and I think as combat sports is growing so much, and I think MMA, especially in this oceanic area, in the next like five or six years, is going to just boom even more. Um, I think there's no there's no there's no necessity to have that competitive in terms of you against other people. Yeah. For me, it's always been me versus me. Yeah. Um, and finding out ways I can do what I'm currently doing better. Yeah. Um, which is why I did the whole weight cut thing because there were systems in place between meal prep companies, Geordie and myself. Yep. So um, I thought the best way to see where the gaps are is to experience it firsthand. For sure, man. Um, one, one thing I will say, because I know personally and with your growth and everything, I've only known you roughly for about a year within the process, is that the, 
the efforts that you go do do come at a lot of sacrifice um, for you personally, yeah. which you, you're giving so much. And people may be listening to this just thinking, oh, cool, like Mia does this and he gives this and he lives this like great life and he has this business and this gym and all this type of stuff. But there is a caveat to that for all of us that yeah. and anyone else that is doing so much trying to build and excel in so many areas the sacrifice is huge Mm -hmm. personally emotionally physically there there is there is a lot of sacrifice but the results are you get to do what you love you get to give back to so many people that you love as well and you get to see them grow so the positives way outweigh the negatives but everyone everyone should realize that there is a balance that you you will give up some things to make that happen do you believe in balance do you have a balance i believe in the concept of buckets and that you can't have all of them full at the same time, that something has to give at some stage. Um, So long as that's communicated to yourself and the other parties involved, that certain things have to give at certain times, I don't think you can have like a a balance of everything. Mm -hmm. You guys, you know, you work on a project, that project becomes paramount in your current like routine and other things fall off. Your personal training falls off, your time with your family, your time with yourself, your time to go out, all those things. Um, With what Sel was saying, it looks all good on social media and that you're doing all these cool things, but like I'll get some folks that reach out sometimes and say, Hey, it's cool. What you're doing with fighters. Can you give us a tip on how you kind of got to where you got? I'm like, well, I can help. I can definitely give you some advice. Um, not to say that I know all the answers because by far I don't know most of the answers to trying to find those out, but there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. Um, you know, sleep routines, waking up at three o'clock, constantly trying to better yourself which itself requires a lot of discipline to constantly reflect and analyze yourself and what you're doing and how you can do it better and um it's like an emotional bank account too you give so much of yourself to other people when it comes time to give to yourself sometimes it's not a lot there so true what do you do to give back to yourself um i have a morning routine that i follow and i'm very i'm very strict on that i wake up and um my breakfast is one of those things i meditate i have a cold shower my nighttime routine is before i go to sleep i journal i do two different types of journaling which is reflecting on myself and my day and then affirmating for the next day and those things are my time and i never break those things even while i've been here all week at ufc one of my goals was to just keep my routine at least those two things because i feel like the way you start your day says a lot about the way that day will be and the way you finish the day says a lot about the next day mm-hmm. um so those are those are things i'll always do for myself because collectively they take about 20 minutes mm-hmm. if you can't find 20 minutes for yourself then i feel like there's something that can improve there yeah. you, you show so much discipline here has that always been in your life i think my mum my had a has and had a very strong work ethic um growing up and that's something i definitely took from her since we were kids she always made us do chores around the house and modeled by being a doer rather than just saying things um so yeah since i was young i've, I've always had that that just you if you want to do something just go and do it another thing that um i know you haven't said this per se but i've also noticed is that if you verbalize something whatever it may be You'll see it through to the end. For example, integrity. Yeah, there's a lot of integrity in your work. Like you saying, "I want to do a cut for ten kilos in That's six weeks." Yeah, the fact, the moment that you said that, I was like, "Oh fuck!" That means he's actually going to do it. Like it's not like a thing of just like I want to. Like some people say, "I want to do this," and then it'll never happen. It's just like some basic like kind of conversational chat of it would be cool to find out what that experience would be like or yeah. it would be nice to know but when you said that i was like oh 
I haven't heard you ever say anything that isn't like fulfilled to the nth degree. If, if you didn't make the 10 kilos, that would be another thing. But I knew that that meant that you were actually going to start the process. From, I was going to do everything to make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I enjoy that mindset because yeah. as soon as I tell myself I'm going to do something, sure. I already know it's, it's happened. Yeah. It's happened. Exactly. Once, um, once it's, it's in the yeah. atmosphere, in the, in the universe. Yeah, Bob Proctor says that if you manifest something emotionally and intellectually, it'll happen physically. What do you think that does for you personally um, being able to say something to the universe and then see it actually happen. Just use that cup, for example. Good some question. some yeah. people may think that it's just like, oh, sweet, he lost 10 kilos over a six-week period and he's not competing on the UFC stage, so what does it really matter? Where I see it as, that's, those are like foundations that you'll take to the next level again. I had so many messages from my athletes after I posted about that. And all of them, most of the, the tone of the messages were, thank you for for doing that it's so cool and you inspire us thank you for like leading by example that's why i did it can i just mention those posts that he was talking about in his posts all he posted about was the athletes that competed next sure. to him and he didn't even talk about him, exactly. him competing yeah and people were like what about you what about yeah. you? because he's on the podium man he's yeah. getting the medals that's some gangster shit yeah man it's cool everyone that's needs cool. To, needs to learn from this yeah. I'm, I'm getting chills like i'm legit look at my goosebumps <laughs> there's not many people like you man like i'm really i was really excited about this podcast and i really hope that a lot of people start to sort of connect with you from this or like follow your journey or support you in some particular way because you're a rare rare dude thank you so much appreciate it integrity is one of those things do you know where i started to think about integrity when cell came into the business and it became such a prominent thing for me to see someone say they're going to do something and go and do it because it's rare and it's really sad that I say that it's a rare thing because a lot of people talk shit. A lot of people talk shit on the internet. A lot of people talk shit to your face and say they're going to do things, but they don't do it. So I'm really glad that they touched on that. And I think that's one, that's one reason why we're all sitting in this room together that we've connected because there's integrity in the room. And there's obviously a mutual respect that if we say we're going to do something, we go and do it. I think if there's one message from this podcast already, if you're going to say something, you commit to it, you go do it, you build the habits, you build the integrity, and then people are going to respect you from that. Sure, one thing that Mir has is a lot of respect. Yeah, That shit's not hard to gain yeah. and it's easy to lose. And especially for a lot of people who are at the top of their game in martial arts, especially people who are outside, business people, they respect what Mir has been able to achieve. Do you think about respect? Do you try and... Do you, do you care what people think about you? What like what's your opinion on other people's judgments of you? Naturally, you you are going to care about external opinions, but I don't think they should completely affect your internal state. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to you knowing yourself very well right. and why you're doing what you're doing and what it means to you. Um, but of course, uh, external opinions do matter, especially when it's with people that you genuinely care about. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you do things in line with your values and doing things as best as you can then those external opinions will be in your favor, at least with the people that you care about. Good point. I think that another thing that for those that haven't met me, obviously, um, if you're training MMA fighters, so I would say the top 99.9% of the world in terms of like toughness, um, grit, attitude, 
what, whichever way you want to call it, it it's, a, it's a brutal, savage sport that if you go into his gym and look at it in the aspect of they're some of the best and strongest killers in the world there, if he says something, it goes. Mm-hmm. If he's saying you're squatting for a four zero one zero tempo, you're squatting for a four zero one zero tempo. Not because these guys are in by any way, obviously, are somewhat intimidated or um, don't have this untowards feeling about him. It's just because they recognise, one, as Mill alluded to before, he's respected amongst his community and everything that goes on in there. But two, what he brings in terms of, uh, I guess, proof in terms of when they finish these sessions and they go on to do their next things, they're getting better from that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a big lesson also in the aspect of going... It's one thing to give, which is which is awesome. Like that, that's just one aspect of it. But if you're giving in quality, where people can actually see improvements in in themselves, it doesn't have to be physical improvements. It can be they spent ten minutes with you and mentally they feel better. It could be they spent ten minutes with you and they laughed a whole lot more and they just feel better about themselves as a whole. There's a lot of people that think that I'm just going to go do this feel like I gave gave a bit to someone and now I feel good about myself because I went out of my way to do something, but I don't actually even know what the end result were, was, but I can just post about this type of stuff. But this is this is like where this whole like issue with strength and conditioning or personal trainers is coming into play. My partner's sitting in the next room. She's going to... I knew she would love this chat and I knew we we're going to get into this shit with yeah. Mia. It's because people that are really doing the real shit are getting like mashed in with all of these fake yeah. sort of like SNC people and all these sort of, you know, just like fakers or people that haven't studied and they're not providing a professional service. Yeah. Mir's there. He knows he's getting that. Same with Geordie. They know they're getting these athletes results. They're not just coming to a PT session. The PT's not writing down, you know, yeah. a program. They're not following a program. They're just coming in, just doing random exercises, getting a sweat on and leaving. Like, what do you think about this discussion that we're having now? Fucking hell, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's don't go. Bring, don't Let's bring go. it out of him. Don't bring it out of him. <laughs> Pandora's box can't be heat. closed. First, <laughs> naturally, the dogs will be filtered out. Naturally. Yeah. Um, people who don't do it for the right reasons will be exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people who feel like they deserve better will gravitate towards people that are there to do that with them and for them and be beside them. Uh, secondly, being in a digital age now, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, shit that goes on in terms of people, um, overstepping boundaries and, and, and their, their professional capabilities in terms of what they can actually do for someone and what they say they can do for someone, both in terms of working with general populations and other athletic populations as well. There are so many online trainers and online programs and people saying this is sports, sports specific and what have you. Um, I choose to see the, I choose to even see that as a, as a potential for possibility, Mm -hmm. because if there are that many dickheads that are busy, that means there are a lot of people invested in the process. Mm -hmm. So I feel like naturally I'm going to slowly filter out the dickheads Mm -hmm. and people will start, you know, gravitating towards people that are trying to do well, like yourselves and Geordie and myself and other really great SNC coaches out Mm -hmm. there as well. And back to the whole competitive thing. I'm happy that 
I'm like you're slowly seeing more SNC coaches working with combat athletes because it means the industry as a whole is growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those who are doing it well will naturally want to help each other as well. Yeah. Um, there, there are plenty of... Tell, tell us a bit about, you mentioned the word process in there, but a lot of people just think it's a program, they work out, they get big or strong or fast or whatever it may be, you get some money... They go on to do this, but it's transactional the, for the, for a lot of people. for a lot of people it is. But I understand for you and for for any real proper relationship and continual growth and structure, there's a process of laying a foundation. That foundation for you may be mental, like just understanding that does this person even have what it takes to really follow just my to commit to just exactly to show commitment. Yeah, and the three words that align themselves with my business is the culture, which is you know, us being at this table, being able to share so much good good information together. Um, if you come into the facility and you train during the sessions, I mean, you've been there, so yeah. there's a strong culture. Yeah. Um, everyone's there for the same reasons, and it's just good vibes. Yeah. Um, character is the second one, and the third one is, is commitment. I speak to every athlete on a deeper level because I'm trying to understand why they're there in the first place because I'm truly grateful for the fact that I have guys that drive an hour, hour and 20 minutes yeah. to a gym, to do a training session that more or less they could do by themselves at a gym and not die. Um, it's not heart surgery. Yeah. So I appreciate the fact that they value something in those doors beyond what a gym session can provide. Yeah. Um, so I try to cultivate that. And naturally, people that aren't ready to accept that will get filtered out. Um, it might be too much for them. It might make them reflect on things and realize, shit, I actually don't want to do this. I just feel like I need to because it's what society and my friends tell me I need to be doing. But I, I speak to everyone and I, I, I establish expectations. It's a yep. huge one. It's a huge one. Like you, you're not going to put my ethos t-shirt on and fuck around yeah. because that's not what we do. We, sure, we work man. with champions. We work with high-level people, yep. both on a professional and amateur level. Yep. I have amateur guys that are there five days a week at 4.30 in the morning ready to work yep. because they can see where they can take things. It's, it's a dangerous mentality because I have this mentality and I'm just like frothing just hearing this from you because there's a lot of people out there who don't resonate with that mentality. Like even for our gym at Combat Training Center, anytime I have a class, I'm like a little bit vicious. Like I want people to stay on the mats for longer. I want people to train hard. I want people to take this seriously. But not everyone's there for that reason. Yeah. So and it's, that's, it's fine. Can. And so how, how do you mold those? Do those people leave the gym? Like, like what, how does that work for you? E- expectations, I think, is just communication. So I have for athletes sure. that come in and I just know based on their body language that day that it can be a UFC fighter too, that they might have something going on. And I think if you know your, I guess, your populations mm-hmm. well and the people that you're working with well, you can pick that up straight away. So not every session or, or every interaction has to be, you know, champion building. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that just comes back to communicating with that person. Right. I think that's the, the one of the most important things about For coaching. Sure. I think one thing that you both do well is you'll set an expectation before something actually starts. So I've trained at a lot of gyms, strength and conditioning gyms, mainly due to football reasons. And I walked into that gym and an expectation was set upon me straight away, whether it was from yourself, Tyson, um, randoms that I had never met before where they were just like, ooh, look at that session. That looks spicy. I was like, 
I don't understand what that really means. But <laughs> I, I, was, I was looking at the sheet of paper. I was like, looking at it, and I was just like... I love when that happens. Yeah, I was just like, this doesn't seem that bad. I've done this stuff multiple times. Why is... What is different about this place that's going to make this so much harder than whatever it, I may be used to? And the reason it was so much harder is because there was accountability for every rep of every set for every minute. And accountability is what builds... You can't you can't hide from that because there's someone looking at you. They they're watching you squat. There's someone looking at you. They're watching how long you're resting for. There's someone looking at you. They're watching when you went and got a drink. So most people may think that they're doing all this work and all these different things, but if you're accountable to a coach, martial artist, whatever it may be, strength and conditioning, once you add that level of accountability and an expectation is set upon you that you're doing this session this way at this time and this is how we do it in this environment it changes everything it it, it no longer becomes just about a session it becomes about how you're going to probably do things in your life moving forward and I'm, i'm so grateful that so many athletes leave the gym and they'll text me later or they'll tell me another time that they always feel better once they leave, man, I when they I came left in. feeling lightheaded. I have another. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I was in a studio. Like I, I was just, I was going. I need to make it to the airport. I'm running a bit late. I could crash the car. I have lactate head. Uh, <laughs> I have an athlete that comes from Helensburg down south, probably an hour and twenty. He's yeah. a father of two kids, and he's 23 years old. And I've told him I will give you a program. At free of cost just do it at a gym down south like why do you come so far you don't need to right. and he refuses he refuses he's like i i value the conversations we have and this environment and training alongside like-minded people so much that i want to drive here mm-hmm. so what that does for me is it just humbles me so much and it tells me that if he's willing to show up to that degree what's your excuse yeah. let's talk let's talk about this business because we're talking about business here we're talking about you've built a culture that makes people want to come back you're 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 creating a return customer and people are loving being there is the culture built have you created this culture and does the culture i was thinking about this exact question yeah um so you asked have i built the culture i think every environment is a reflection of the person who created it initially Mm -hmm. so if you want to create a place that's vibrant has high energy sets good expectations attracts people that want to lead by example when you're not there you need to be able to do that yourself mm-hmm. because you're the first person who started it so i think each environment is a reflection of the person who's the leader in that environment um, which for me again is very humbling because if i'm going to say that i'm the one who created that environment then more or less that i've been able to carry the values that i wanted to cultivate in that environment then by you doing that you naturally start to attract people like you guys that are also on the same, so to say, wavelength, mm-hmm. that want to do the same things and have similar visions. And then it becomes something that's bigger than yourself. Um, have you been uh, able to replicate that culture through to other people? So right now we're in Melbourne. Yeah. Your gym's in Sydney. It's yep. running. People are coming through yeah, there. Yeah, man. So I've got athletes that I trust. Yeah. I've got coaches that I trust. Um, and I trust, those, those collect, I trust that group as a collective that they'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again... I think true leadership comes down to not what people are doing when you're there, but what they do when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you can have people that can keep themselves accountable based on what you've done for them and what they know you expect of them, and that's, that's true leadership. I think a big thing that you mentioned there, though, with that is trust. Because 
it's one thing like you've built that culture, you not stepped away from it, but you had to go away for, to build more and more from your team and you've got a lot of team that are actually fighting on this card. But because you trust people there to get it done, you don't have that thing in the back of your head worrying about it. You don't micromanage those people. If that trust isn't there, it's probably impossible for you to really move and do the things you're doing to continually build that community. I wouldn't be able to be here. No, I wouldn't exactly. be able to be here. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the coaches that are back in Sydney, um, Amber and Jordan, they, um, they're not going to be the same as I am, but that's a good thing. They have their own unique qualities that yeah. they'll be able to bring. Um, and, you know, they might make some mistakes, um, so will other coaches, et cetera, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it gives them the opportunity to grow and to reflect and do the things that I would have done myself mm-hmm. as well. One thing that we were discussing over dinner the other night was, and I know I'm going back, okay, because I have so many questions. There's so much we can bounce off each other, but I want to point out the the really core qualities of you and the experiences that you've gone through that have gotten you to this position. Because I want other people on the other end of this this podcast to to really understand why you're sitting here and why you're um, working with some of the best athletes in the world. When you started, you didn't just open a gym and now you're ethos performance and you're working with the best guys you worked as an intern and you worked for free for a long time months and months long time in gyms that i didn't like with athletes that are no longer athletes anymore Mm -hmm. some of them still are how important is that part of that process to you to where you are now everybody will see the this the highlights Mm -hmm. right in any industry but they will neglect or try not to see all the hard work required to get somewhere and again, man, I don't say this in, in, in the sense that I've made it or that I feel like I've achieved so much. I'm very grateful for the fact that three years ago, I was working with one combat athlete and now I'm spending UFC fight week with sitting across from Whitaker and Adesanya and I'm prepping and cutting weight with some of the best fighters in the world. And I know guys like you and I'm so integrated into the, into the combat scene. It's, it's a dream come true. Mm. Um, but there are other dreams as well. Back to your question, that part of the process is you have to be willing to take shit you have to there are so many people that will want to outwork you um and we'll we'll do that stuff you have to be willing to do the things that you don't want to do Um, it's very simple uh when i went overseas i did all the small things i had a good attitude to welcoming criticism to to seeking continual education both personally and in terms of academics um and what you said way back earlier in the podcast was discipline. It's discipline isn't just something you say and you go, okay, I have discipline. It's effort. It's, mm-hmm. it's action. You need to action discipline. Mm. It's one thing to tell yourself you can see yourself achieving something. That's awesome that you can do that. So now, now you're, you're, you're connected to what you can see. But then you need to act on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires you to do work for free. Wake up early, sleep late, you know do the things that you essentially don't want to do it's definitely because you boys touched on it a bit earlier but you mentioned before you were never entitled you never had any sense of entitlement that and i hear people say that i 100 percent believe when you say that but i hear people say no i'm not entitled or i i don't deserve or i don't feel like i'm owed something but in the back of my head i look at them i go you're saying that but i can see that you do actually you think that if you work for a year you deserve 60k mm. or you think that you do this for a period of time and then you'll get this compared to when i from what i know about you 100 percent 
That internship could have gone for one month, it could have gone for one year, it could have gone for 10 years. When you got whatever it came to you, you would have taken it, but you would at never any stage had an expectation set that it has to be this time. If not, I'm out. Or it has to be two years. If not, I give up. Like you don't set a time limit on what it is years go. If it takes to the end of time, it takes to the end of time. If it takes one month, great. It took one month. But people will often tie a time, a monetary figure, a result of something to how long they're willing to do something for compared to years going. It just goes in continuity until it happens, which, man, we were watching um, that UFC documentary where they were just pouring money in, pouring money in, and Lorenzo was like, man, when does it stop type of thing? And then they were just like, well, we just keep going, and we're at $44 million now in debt. We're at $45 million and something clicked and it happened. But who's to say if they had put a time limit on it being 10 million was the figure that they would go into and then there would be no we wouldn't be sitting here there would yeah. be no UFC there'd be no mixed martial art like yeah. at the scope we're talking about but these were just guys that were just willing to go until something happened mm-hmm. which is like something that I know a lot of people actually aren't willing to do they say they are but they're really not mm-hmm. <laughs> leave it at that it's true. mic drop <laughs> it's, it's true it's true <laughs> I love this podcast. It's given us an ability to like vent almost. (laughs) And that's kind of why I was getting to that like work for free thing. Because Cell and I worked for free for ages. And now we've got, obviously, when you have staff and things like that, you're seeing all these people come through and you're just like, they're telling you what they want and they haven't done anything. We're like, fuck. (laughs) And we know you've done that. So I think think, um, also having like, again, appreciating the process of a martial artist. Mm -hmm. Let's say you start a spot like Judo or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You, you literally have to earn your stripes, mm-hmm. right? And I think that just applies to everything, whether it's business or, you know, mentorships, internships, or having, um, like, uh, making an, an impression on someone, mm-hmm. getting a job, you need to earn your stripes. For sure. Um, and that's one thing, if, when I look back at my experiences, I, I did that relatively well. I can tap myself on the shoulder and say, you showed up when yeah. you had to. Man, do you think that big part of martial arts where not every martial arts has a stripe or belt type of system, but yeah. they all do follow a progression of lineage that you have a teacher. When that teacher says you are ready for be it a belt or to step up to the next phase, you listen to that teacher and then you are now a blue belt per se, or you keep working in it and then you're a brown belt. Some people go from being a white belt to a black belt in four years. Some people it takes 30 years, but what the expectation or how it goes, you can't set to your teacher and say, Hey, after four years of doing this, I expect to get <clears throat> my no brown belt. And it's, you can't jump the level. You can't, you can't three, skip. Three, There's three, no shortcut. No way. Three words. You need to commit to the process. Um, martial arts has a certain culture that cultivates a certain type of character and that character re- appreciates respect. Mm-hmm. You look at guys that are the best in the world, Adesanya, for example, and his head coach, Eugene, you look at the last fight against Gastelum. When Izzy wins, he bows down in the middle of the octagon. I think he started crying in front of Eugene because he gave appreciated, him his belt, gave right. him his belt mm-hmm. appreciated so much for what that man had, had done for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just comes down to like respect, pure respect for another person. How do, how do you get more people into that? Because a lot of people view martial arts, which I know you don't view it this way, but they'll view it in the sense of 
it's someone punching, kicking, strangling, breaking an arm or whatever it is. But what you said just then is perfect for the reason why someone should get into it, but they may be intimidated by an environment. Is there a, a thought that you've had around how you can bring people into that space? I think naturally the sport is doing a really good job now with the inclusion or the heavy inclusion of females into the sport as well um, and giving athletes more of a voice. Um, You're starting to see that a lot of fighters are very well educated. They run businesses. They speak very well. They're affluent. They know they they, then there's more to them than just what we see or what people see as them punching each other in the face. Ultimately being a sport and yeah. a business and spectators will at times go, this is barbaric. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, sometimes it also is, yeah. which is why it's entertaining. Which, yeah, it's a big part of it <clears> for <throat> sure. But I want to talk about how the model that you've created at Ethos is not a typical strength and conditioning model, is it? Um, and the this envi- is some, this the is environment some... is nowhere else in the world because mm-hmm. no two environments are the same. But the systems are a blend of systems that I've seen overseas, here, um, things that I've implemented, and I'm 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 very confident that they'll change. Mm-hmm. Uh, the core values won't change, but the efficiency of the the systems will change. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of how the model is different, the reason why I ask is this because you essentially have created your own business, your own path. You haven't gone down a <clears throat> traditional path, so to speak. No. You've, you've you've seen an opportunity to create a service or sprinkle. a system. That, that's a sprinkle of luck that I saw that hole and I filled it. Whereas I feel like now a lot of people want to come into the same space mm-hmm. and it's awesome to see. But uh, with all due respect, it's my space now. Yeah, <laughs> Nice, man. But the other thing that you did really well is, and this is something that I'll lay testament to as well, is it wasn't like you went and found a new... Um, crazy program or type to um, bring everything in this world has been done to a certain ex- to yes. a certain extent like whether you're an uber you still just took cars that were on a <laughs> road and got people to get in the cars to travel to another place you just took the best components of people systems processes and all these different things that you had experienced yourself and managed to blend them to me better than anyone i've seen in the combat snc world i'll tell you so you know Eric Cressy, yeah, right. Probably the best base, definitely the best baseball SNC coach in the world. Yeah. So I, I met with Cressy last year when he presented at my mentor Lauren's um, facility, and we had a chat. So all he sees every day, for the most part of the day, is baseball players. So by default, in terms of practice, what does that make him the best at? Dealing with baseball players. Yeah. All I do with every day is fighters, yeah. Monday to Sunday. Monday to the eighth day of the week that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so by default, my systems become more efficient in dealing yeah. with a combat athlete. Not because what I'm doing is special, but because I have such a unique uh, environment that I'm grateful for that I get to practice weekly on cuts, on peaking, on tapering, on what works best at what time for what athlete. And I get to network and communicate with guys like yourselves and Geordie and meal prep companies and bring everything together and constantly improve for the combat athlete. Mm -hmm. So while you may be working with two fighters and practicing systems, which is great and it's unbelievable, I've done it with 30 fighters that week, 40 (laughs) fighters that week. So that's what makes things different in my case. It's not the fact that what I'm doing is special. My, My programming principles and methods 
have been well established by Eastern Europeans long before I was yeah. born. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do constantly improve those things and implement new methods into my programming and my approach. But what I'm getting better at is understanding what works best when mm-hmm. for the combat athlete and the man. different combat athlete. So tell, tell us, man, because what you mentioned there is true because you're basically taking practices and systems from Eastern European <coughs> block, the Germans, and all these different people that have done it in different ways and implementing it to like some badasses from West Sydney where <laughs> I can tell you I know a tie to Avasa ain't wanting to do what a Russian guy did 55 years ago, but you've worked out a process or a system for a mixed martial artist like him to come into your world and say, you do this and we're going to see great results and God willing, I hope the big guy knocks knocks someone out this it's Sunday. It. But how do you bring bring that together? Because it has to have a different flavor and culture for it to be able to fit what goes on within your gym. You can't just come in with what they've said and how they've done it. You've obviously massaged it into a way over time and continually do continue to do that is it just as a process that you day by day just fine-tune and fine-tune or is it just like it, def- a- it definitely is one that gets fine-tuned day by day and i'm constantly learning so it's constantly going to evolve um, every athlete at our facility more or less is doing something different alongside the other person training with them on that same session because we have guys that are literally in different sports yes they're a combat athlete but one's a judo athlete one's a boxer so their needs more or less are unique not just in terms of their sporting needs but as their own personal needs so our system starts with you know a an online assessment which gets to know the person a little more then it goes into a physical assessment which gets to know their physical needs a little more and then naturally as they start going through our program we can start to see what we need to work on more with that person and that comes down to you know us doing our jobs well but just communicating more with that athlete Mm -hmm. um we have a whiteboard at the gym that has all the events up so everyone can walk up to the board and see who's fighting that weekend and to create some banter around it again just to encourage culture and that board is full which Mm -hmm. again means that we have a lot of practice to make mistakes i look back at some of the programs and methods that i use with fighters a year and a half ago and i'm like okay probably wouldn't do that again this time you know and i hope to say that again in another year and a half's time brother one thing you mentioned before was um you having a mentor uh, the last few people in this podcast have talked about their mentors and it seems to become a common practice to to sort of engage a mentor and help you along your journey yeah. tell us about your experience with a mentor okay I think I've mentioned my biggest mentor in every podcast and I think I will hopefully for until forever. Uh, I think mentors can be face to face. So personal mentors that you, you can call and speak to, which you, you do need. I feel if you are in, in terms of in a path of wanting to continually develop. And then I have a lot of mentors that have passed away who I read their literature, um, people like Earl Nightingale and I take notes on their lessons because we're in an information age where we can fast track our own development mm-hmm. by learning from other people's mistakes. So it seems silly to not want to love it. Seems silly to not want to take that path. But my biggest mentor in the industry, SNC industry and business industry is Lauren Landau. And I was fortunate enough to do my mentorship internship mentorship slash internship with him in Denver, Colorado. And that was my first big experience with some of the best fighters, period, in the world. TJ Dillashaw um, you know, Curtis Blades, Justin Gaethje, all these guys, these animals that him and his coaches train out of that facility. But aside from the SNC that I, uh, that I was able to be a part of, he became someone that I could turn to as a, as a figure for advice outside of, well outside of the SNC industry. 
and I'm fortunate that I can speak to him now and bounce ideas on business and personal life and other things as well. Um, I haven't spoken to him in a couple of weeks, but it, it does something mentally to know that, again, a good leader, he doesn't even live in the same country as I do, but I'm almost grounded by the fact that I know all the things that he is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what a good leader does. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's 45 now, and I look down and go, you're 20 years older than me, and I've got some time. Yeah, man. That's the, that's the way. If if you have like someone like that mentor that you're referring to with everything that you're doing, is it a case of um, some confidence is just built on the aspect of knowing that you've got they've just got your back more 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 than anything? Like, man, one hundred percent, you're more than proficient in in terms of doing everything that you're doing. But does it give you just the extra boost to know? This person supports me, believes in me, pushes me, keeps me moving forward in the right keeps direction. Keeps me accountable when they're not there. Yeah. So I'd say, so you're a mentor of mine as well. You know, you're not 20 years older than me, but I can look to certain things that you're doing and always learn from that. Yeah. Um, so I'd say you're, you're definitely a mentor and a friend, yeah. which I think naturally your mentors do become, especially if you know them personally. The thing that I'm most excited for is that I get to be a mentor to so many people myself mm-hmm. and I don't take that lightly at all. Everything that I do, I watch, not because I, you people might listen and go, well, that's a very analytic life and it's not a, just relax sometimes. I'm working on that. I'm trying to relax a little more, but I take it seriously because you have impact on people like you guys do, um, which is why I consider both of you guys as mentors as well. Dude, one thing that um, I'm really interested in your opinion of is there's someone out there, they have a qualification, they want to start an SNC business or even just a, a PT business and they're convinced that they need to build their following on social media or digital to, you know, attract the clients and they're so conscious of that. What's your opinion on, on that? That's a good question. Um, I have never been too savvy in terms of like hand, like writing heaps of blogs, like weekly blogs, articles. I've, I've written a lot of like blogs and featured on podcasts and things like that, which is cool. I've more so taken the path of focusing on the people that I have in front of me and giving them the best service that I can. And naturally, that's cultivated itself to a lot of word of mouth and the people that are with me now. Um, but in terms of being uh, on social media, you don't have to. I know a lot of great coaches that don't have social media profiles. Mm-hmm. My first um, coach that I did an uh, internship with at the Institute of Sport, he doesn't even have an Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think he's 58 years old. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even know how to start an Instagram. Right. So it depends. It's important. Uh, the reason I am kind of active on my social media is because I know all of my athletes are watching mm-hmm. and I want them to see how I, how I do things and what I'm doing. Cause it's not a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just lets them know that, okay, that's what coach is doing today. Right. I love that because there, there is an aspect of some people just believing cause it's the most seen and easiest way to be seen platform that you have to use social media to grow your business and do all these different types of things or to be seen or to be heard or anything there's just so many other different ways like a good example of this that i was listening to the other day dave Chappelle, biggest comedian in the world doesn't have a website yeah doesn't have social media no one has his phone number could you imagine but he will sell out a stadium of 50,000 people that will just want to hear him speak. Because you imagine doing that all off the basis of not having any forms of communication that he's pushing, yeah. telling people where he's going to be. He's just done it so well. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows him. He, and he's done it so well that people will just see him in a park with a microphone and he'd have 30,000 people 
rush to get that. He's built that from repetition time and time again, word of mouth, and actually delivering on what he says. So, man, social media is a great platform. No one's doubting that. But I think sometimes people think it's the be-all and end-all when it definitely isn't. It's a great platform, but it shouldn't come before doing things prior to the platform. So don't focus so much on writing the perfect uh, blurb about yourself before you're actually living that blurb. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you know, do it and then write the blurb. So worry and about how, it later, I guess. And how important for is it for you as well in your business being here at the UFC, physically working with the athletes? You're not sending your interns or you're not just sitting in your high tower somewhere saying, you guys go and do this over here and, and I'm, I'm not even in it amongst it you're being seen people are seeing you um people are going to listen to this podcast you're so active how important is it to be physically active in all of these things if you're passionate i think you want to do it mm-hmm. you genuinely will want to i can't wait to go back to the gym on wednesday or tuesday and coach again i miss it i miss the team even though this week has been great i genuinely miss those interactions um i miss waking up early and going i genuinely wake up every morning at 3 15 happy to, to, to go and do what I do and it didn't know it wasn't always that way there were a lot of times where I had doubts and then those things that filter through um, yeah when if I wish that people could see they could be here in Melbourne during this fight week and see you and Geordie in action right now yeah. and all of your team and actually what lengths you guys are going to right now to get you guys ready it is ridiculous oh, it is also, it, it, it is almost just like silly a lot of people out there would be like, these guys are fucking crazy. What the yeah. hell are they doing? That's dumb. You know, yeah. people would literally go to those lengths to, to Man, make like, those judgments. See, this week has been huge for Jordy because mm-hmm. this is crunch week for him. Yeah. Whereas a lot of my work has been done up to get to this start of this week. Yeah. Um, even though I have been heavily influenced with everything for Ty this week. But man, like as soon as I got off the plane, I was like, shit, we need to go and get combat stuff because there was a logistical error. So fuck, I need to go get a rental car. By the way, the logistical error was me not sending the product. I think it was my fault, man. (laughs) (laughs) But you you bailed us out, man, as you do. And I was like, fuck, I need a rental car to drive to this warehouse 45 minutes away. Thanks, guys. We need need to pay for that. No, get out of here. I use the car for other reasons too. But that's one thing. Then run there, drop that off to Geordie. And then they're like, oh, we don't have a camera guy. He's he's pulled out. I'm like, well, luckily I had a backup camera guy for my own personal needs. I put him in touch with Geordie. I'm like, you can just have him for the week. It's okay. So small things like that. All those small things that happen that people don't see. Oh, man. And man, run around like dropping meals off for fighters and heating meals up and making sure they're getting their supplements and all these things um it's, it's chaos but it's it's the extra step which makes yeah. makes us different one yeah it definitely makes you guys different because one thing you're already programmed all this stuff out and this is the one thing that i think people may miss about both you and Jordy is the stuff that you'll plan out something for 10 weeks it could be the perfect strength and conditioning program it can be the perfect diet it can be all these different types of things Two days before, yeah. something can derail 10 weeks, 12 weeks of complete prep and it could be anything. And it could be completely out of your control. It could be a pull tendon. It could be the weight isn't coming off. It, for a female, it could be a menstrual cycle. It could be one of a billion things. And from that time point, every second is problem solving, problem mm. solving, problem solving. And trying to work out we're against the clock. We fight in 24 hours or whatever it may be. How are we going to get this weight off? How are we going to make this person mentally feel good? How are we going to make this person be explosive on the night? How are we going to make this person get the right sleep? It could be all these things. And that problem solving, I can only assume, has come over the course of your whole life because that isn't something that someone can just pick up 
like you at the age of 26, 27 and just go, all right, now I know all the, all the answers to this. It has to be some trial and error, has to be some wins, has to be some losses within that. And we know Geordie had some, he's had a really, really solid hard week and trying to do a lot of, lot of things. So is that just something that you believe you just have to throw yourself into the fire to learn or is it something that you look at a whole lot of other things that have happened before from other people where mistakes have gone wrong and try to learn from their mistakes or your mistakes or anything like that? To, to, to be, I don't know, cliche, ultimately we're all uh, a product of our environments yeah. since we were young, more or less. And that, that being a chameleon, which is adapting to a situation or an environment is something that I feel like you need to just you need to start doing it to get better at it. You nothing is ever going to be perfect. This sport is never fucking to the book. Never. It never is to plan. I've never had a camp, so to say, where things have gone from start to finish like exactly as planned collectively between me, Jordan and like a meal prep company for example, like Fit and Healthy Chef for example. Yeah. Um but Ty always tells me you either sink or you swim mm-hmm. and fuck man we always swim yeah. I love that the other thing that you said before which re- resonated to me so much because it's something I say all the time is you said I'm gonna butcher this um, but it's like you said just go that one step further and that's what it takes and communication like me and Jordy have had that issue so many times hey uh, such and such is not going well weighing in in two days okay what are we doing speak to this guy speak to so and such and such and you, you got to make it happen because they're looking to you for guidance yeah what i'm um, what i'm getting at with this one is it's like everyone 99 of people out there are all just doing the same thing but you're just going that one step further in everything that you do to stand out and make a success why did you choose not to be with the majority and you wanted to do that one extra step or take that one extra step to make a success out of your life. I felt like I had more to give. Mm. I felt like I had more to give. It comes from a place of service, not expectation or entitlement or wanting anything in return. Um, when I go the extra step for my guys, I never ask them for a post. I never ask them to pay more. I never ask them to give me a purse or uh, anything in return. I just want them to show up and just listen to what I have to, to, to say to them. And I think when they can see that I do that for all of them, it makes them appreciate it and it makes them listen. Did that come from your family? Yes, and mentors and experiences along the way. And I think now that I can appreciate that it's happening, I show up because they're showing up. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're keeping me accountable as well. Just as much as I am to them, they are for me. Man, if you obviously are building this thing continually and continually and more and more people keep coming into your catchment of just savages and killers and that are having this mindset and mentality. If you want to come, you better be ready. Yeah. I'm I'm just thinking what what lays ahead for um, Australian combat sports. Um, Not even just Australia. This thing could obviously go way, way bigger. We don't have to isolate it to Australia. Just how good some of these athletes will become, not just as athletes, but as people Mm -hmm. coming into all your boys' environment, which excites me more than anything. Man, just on that, like so many guys that didn't know each other prior to Ethos are friends now, aspiring partners, amateurs, pros, they all banter on social media together. Um, You know, guys like one of my amateur kickboxers, Charlie is aspiring with uh, Ty, aspiring with Tyson, and they're all hanging out, aspiring with guys down south in Sydney and, 
that that was the biggest thing for me is to to create a team like environment sure, in an individual sport. And I want to also point out for those that um, obviously haven't been to the gym because it is a niche gym that a lot of people may or may not get to go to. Is when Mir's referring to this, he's just working the SNC within these gyms. There's not a ring that these guys are training together in like doing sparring there's not a cage there's not like actual full martial arts no equipment technical training yeah there's no to yeah. Martial arts, yeah he's bringing people from all different gyms that may be from bondi boxing or it could be up north somewhere or wherever it may be they have their own teams but they come together in one environment for strength and conditioning together and then go away and take that ability to other places, back to their teams where they perform and produce results. Yep. And I know that I know all of their teams well. I go the step to get to know their coaches because I value what their coaches do so much. Mm-hmm. What I do, I don't underestimate or undervalue what I can give the athlete, but I appreciate the head coach, the guy that's there analyzing their game and doing so much for them. How, how have you been able to gain more than anything i guess these people trust because i'll say as another thing old school martial arts coaches generally do not like anyone coming into their environment whatsoever it can be an snc coach it can be someone like us saying why don't you take these supplements it can help your performance it can be a massage therapist it can be a physio they just want what they want in their four walls and everyone else you can basically go get fucked. We do what we're doing here. How have you managed? It's hard to-, to get into the team. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm grateful now that it happens naturally because I have such high level athletes and so many athletes that will just speak of the process and what it's done for them. But early on, it was hey, let me like take a chance on me. Let me do this fight camp with you for free. Um, I'll coach you for free privately two or three times a week. And if you feel like it's not helping, then you don't have to do it again. Um, I did that with someone who's currently ranked number three in the world who is now paying me, but for a while he wasn't because I had to earn, I had to earn it. You know, he, I was the one in the, in the chair of trying to say, let me help you and I can show you that I can. So he, he said, okay, I'll take a chance on you. He did. And now we're six fight camps in six winning fights and he's fighting in Madison square garden soon. Mm-hmm. So, um, gaining trust is, uh, I think again, like just saying, let me help you, let me show you. And if you don't feel like it is, then don't have to do it again. I go to meet with everyone's coaches outside of gym hours. I go to wherever they are, whenever suits them, just to meet with them so I can talk to them and just to shake, have a handshake, show them my energy that I'm genuine. I want to help that person, whether it's driving to an hour west on a Wednesday night, even though I have to wake up in three hours or four hours. So I can show that coach I'm, I'm here because I want to help, not because I want a social media post. Mm-hmm. So all those, all those small things are so important. If you and the head coach are battling head to head, it's never going to work. No. You know? But if it's fight week and you, I'm with the head coach and we're training together every morning, then that's a good team. We're a unit now. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, man. Bro, what is bugging you in life right now? And what are you really stoked on in life right now? What's bugging me yeah, in life? In anything. What's your issues? Bugging me. I feel like I need to get better um, contextually at times and just knowing when to relax mm-hmm. a little, step back and smile and tap myself on the shoulder and say, hey, like you're doing okay and you've done some cool things and you're going to do more, but just enjoy the process. I think sometimes I'm so hard on myself and like analytic on what I'm doing that 
at times like I, I think I can over overwork a little mm-hmm. um, which I mean you need to at times but I mean this week I genuinely feel like I did a good job of it but every night that was one of the things I reflected on and journaled on that tomorrow just take a step back dickhead and appreciate that three years ago this would have been a dream for you to spend fight week with you know all these athletes um, and be backstage and riding on the buses with them and spend time with guys like you so that's one thing that is I guess you can say bugging but I'm working on it all the things that bug me I, I try to work on them because I try to find out what it is what those things are things that I'm happy about hey I'm on a table with you guys it's pretty cool <laughs> good answer <laughs> bro we know that um, we could talk forever and Definitely. We'll, we'll obviously continue to talk after we finish this podcast oh continue. man I love you guys yeah, Likewise, man. but um You've given heaps of people heaps of information to go away with. I actually know as soon as this is done, I'm sharing this with some people straight away that I don't need to hear You know hear what, this. man? Like, I don't want to come across as like some sort of motivational speaker because I yeah. definitely don't come from a place like that. No. And I have no right to because I'm A, extremely young, B, learning so much. But I feel like I can give some good lessons that For I've sure. learned, as we all can, yeah. to whoever's listening. You don't need to be a fighter to benefit from what we've all spoken about here. No. You don't need to be a coach. You can be anyone that just wants to get a bit of an insight into some lessons from, sure, from, from people who more or less are trying to help other people and are doing, again, more or less a good job at it. For sure. Is there, because I know like the principles of ethos, which may actually be what you live by, but just in case they are different and you push a different type of thing that keeps you grounded, keeps you centered, keeps you doing all the really good stuff. Is there something like key words that you... I know you journal a lot that you always write down that keeps you moving forward in that positive trajectory. Uh, Keywords. Man, like one of the things I believe in a lot is like affirmations. So things that you tell yourself about yourself. Uh, If you can't emotionally and intellectually believe something about yourself, it's never going to happen physically. Uh, so I'm, I'm big on that, always telling myself that I'm going to do something great. And as what we said earlier on the podcast, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. I don't care where it takes, how much money it costs, somehow, how long, however long it takes, I'll get it done. Keywords, commitment um, and character. Culture is more so the place and the group of bodies that I wanted to put together and continue to put together like us at this table. Uh, but commitment is one to whatever you're doing. Um, and character character then falls under all the values that you want to have um, and you want to show and display and you need to you need to know those values uh, you know work ethic um, trust loyalty compassion understanding communication all those things um, get a get a blank piece of paper and start writing those things down and live by it man so good i think we wrap it up on that one yeah. brother thanks for coming in thank you guys i really thanks appreciate both of you. good way to finish the melbourne tour of podcasts mm. let's go anzacs yeah man for sure <laughs>